Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. How many of you guys have been with us on this journey so far like, and have enjoyed or learned something out of James? James is a hard one to tackle. A lot of pastors will completely ignore it because it's confusing if you don't have the right framework. And we are talking about how James can only be tackled under the lens of the gospel, which is that we are saved by grace alone and faith alone and Christ alone. Make sense? And when we know our identity in a good, loving father and that we are sons and daughters, then we can approach James. This is the lifestyle that we live now that we know who we are. Right? Make sense? All right. Um, three of us are on the same page this morning. All right. This is going to be good. So... This weekend, uh, a buddy of mine, my oldest friend um, from, my oldest friend in life was in visiting, and he left this morning to head back to uh, my hometown, and it was great to have him with us. Chris is, is his name, and we've been friends since fourth grade. Do you guys still have a friend like that? Like, you were still close since, like, since like middle school, right? Um, Chris and I just have been through a lot of life together, and it just kind of got me n- nostalgic thinking of the good old days. And I was looking through pictures the other week, and I found this picture, and I actually don't have it at the show. I wish I would this morning. It's a picture of this t-shirt that I used to wear when I was dating Ashley. Um, when we were dating, I had a shirt. It was a brown t-shirt. I think I got a, like American Eagle or Hollister when I was cool back then. And um, and I had this shirt, and the only thing that was on it was brown, and it had a, two words in white across the chest, and it said, sure thing. That's it. Sure thing. What a cocky t-shirt, right, that I had. Like, if I was my now father-in-law, and this young guy comes in with a shirt that says, sure thing, I'm like, I, I'm surprised your dad did not, like, destroy me at the dinner table with that shirt. And her dad's pretty good at destroying me. And I don't think he ever mentioned that shirt, but I wore that shirt a lot. Like that was like one of my favorite shirts to wear. Sure thing. And the truth was at that time, my job wasn't sure. I mean, there was nothing about me that was a sure thing. I mean, my character was pretty good, but how many of you guys know you're a different person? You should be a different person now than you were 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So like there was not really anything stable about who I am other than my love for God and my love for my wife, which is at that time my girlfriend. So maybe that's, he saw through that. If Haley comes home one day with a boyfriend and he's wearing a short thing t-shirt, I'm probably going to destroy him, just being honest with you, because it's, it's really cocky. The truth is there's not really a whole lot sure about anything, is there? Like if you make plans, if you make plans for anything, how quickly are they just completely messed up, right? How, com- how quickly are they just completely destroyed in a matter of moments like your plan you walk out the door and instantly your plan for the day is shot i want you to turn in your bibles to james chapter four we're finishing chapter four we're going to be heading into chapter five the final chapter next week and ben preached last week just this great message about understanding where 
our quarrels and our fights come from. James is dealing with an issue of spiritual and religious pride in the church. And he's telling them, hey, look, you have issues because your God is not really me. Your God is all these other things. Your God is all these other desires and your personal selfish ambitions. And because of that, you are completely confused and lost. You don't know who you are. And then he begins to talk about don't speak evil against each other. And you've turned yourself into judges for each other. You've put yourself in the position, the, the throne of God with other people because you have exalted yourself and you don't recognize who you are in, re, in the light of the cross and who others are in light of the cross. Make sense? That's the stage that James is setting. So when we start this passage here this morning, we have to keep it in context of what was said before. There's a story being told here. There's a letter from James, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, and he wants them to know who they are supposed to be in Christ. So starting in verse 13, he says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. That's the passage we're going to dig into a little bit this morning. Um, You guys are like, thanks James for your encouraging words, right? You guys are like, this is positive encouragement. The word FM. Anyway, sorry. Is that the station around here? Uh, That is the station up here, right? That's not me reverting back to high school. Okay, good. Um, Let me ask you a question. And and, and I want you to, maybe I shouldn't have read the passage because now you all feel guilty and you don't want to participate. I want a little participation. How many of you guys are planners to where you have like your hours and like your days are fully scheduled for the next three weeks? Like you know, like you know when you're going to the bathroom next week. Like you just got it all. I'm kidding about that. But you guys, just it's okay. I I know a few. Scott, your wife's not here. You can put your hand up for her if you want. Um, my wife is a planner. Like, we, we have turned this, we have this tiny little wall going into our kitchen. And she's like, hey, can we turn this into my command center? I'm like, what? A command center? Is this Star Wars? Like, what is happening? And so we walk in, and there's chalkboards. I'm like, how many chalkboards do we need? Like, there's like a monster one, and there's little ones, there's a menu. Like, there's details on this wall, right? And she's loving it, and I'm thankful that my wife is prepared and planned, right? It's good. But, like, how many of you guys know that planning things is great? Planning things can also be really confusing and limiting, and everything gets jacked up, right? Like, I've made schedules for my week here at the church and what I'm going to do, what I'm going to tackle each day, and then I get a phone call, and my whole day has changed, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. You, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm going to get this done Today, this is what I'm going to handle. You go to work and your boss asks you to stay late. So you stay late. So that's already messed up your evening plans. And then on your way home, there's an accident. So you're stuck in traffic. So you're getting later. You're getting home way later than you planned on it. You walk in the door and you realized, I forgot to get the groceries today. So you were going to stop and get groceries. But instead, you go down the street real quick to Turkey Hill and you get the necessities, your milk, your eggs, and that ice cream because it's two for one today. So why would you pass up on ice cream, right? So you walk in the door, you start putting away the little bit of groceries that you didn't really plan on getting. You put them out, start putting them away, and your mom texts you, hey, 
call me, it's urgent. So you call your mom back in a panic mode thinking she's dying somewhere, and she says, hey, how do I reset my Wi-Fi? What is Wi-Fi? How do DVRs work? And so you spend 35 minutes helping your parents walk through technology, and then you realize after you get off the phone, I forgot to put the ice cream away. So the ice cream's already soft, right? So you might as well eat it. So you forgot about your dinner plans, and you're sitting on the couch binge-watching some cooking show on Netflix eating a whole carton of ice cream, right? You put the ice cream container in the trash because you finished it, and nobody wants to refreeze melted ice cream, right? Have you ever done that where you like, let it sit out too long, you put it in the freezer, and it's got this weird lava look? It's like, that's not how ice cream's supposed to look. Like, so you don't want to do that. You eat the whole thing, right? Well, you were planning on coming home, eating a healthy dinner with the groceries you meant to buy, eating that dinner, and then doing a little exercise and cleaning out the closet that you've been trying to reorganize because it's just kind of taken everything for the last six, seven months. You know what I'm talking about? It's just my house that we do this. That's what you planned on doing, but you ate a whole thing of ice cream, so you're like, it's not worth it to exercise now, so I'm just going to finish watching this and go to bed. Like that's, that's like how we live life, isn't it? So often our plans get messed up with one small thing. And James says to them, he's like, hey, you religious people. Hey, you self-righteous people. Hey, you judgers. Um, He says, come now. Which is basically like saying, are you for real? Like, seriously? Like, in my family, we've somehow started saying seriously a lot. With a, it's like got a question mark, like seriously, like that's ridiculous. That's the implication of what we say. My kids were um, being watched by my sister uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. And my sister called me like a couple days after they were gone. She's like, hey, just so you know, Bella looked at me the other day, which Bella's her daughter. And she looked at me and she says, seriously, mom? And she's like, I knew they had been around their cousins too long. And I'm like, I don't say seriously that much. And the truth is, I say seriously. We say seriously a lot, don't we? So it, James gives the church in Jerusalem a seriously, guys. Ser- seriously, you, you want to plan everything out and, and talk and pride and judge people. And, and the, the words that come out of your mouth are garbage. You, you, do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize that your plans don't really work out too, too much? He says, this is how you live your life. I want you to look at it for a minute. You say you've got life figured out, but you can't predict anything. You say, you say you've got a handle on everything, but, but God changes everything. Life is but a vapor. It's a mist. You're here right now, but you're gone later. Like, your plans don't really last too long. He says, you say I'm going to go and I'm going to make a profit, and this is how my life's going to work out. We've got it all together, but quickly things can vanish. Things can change. He's not pronouncing doom and gloom on them. Don't misunderstand this passage. What he's doing is calling them out of their personal pride. They have made themselves into their own God that controls their own destiny, that controls the destiny of others around them, and they're not actually listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Make sense? They're not listening to what he's saying. He says, your life is a a mist. It's a vapor. Now, when I think of vapor... Um, today in 2018, I can't help but think of the store that just went in a block and a half down there. My friend Chris and I, we were driving through here, and he's the one who pointed it out. They have a cart, a, a little chalk sign, a chalkboard. They got it where Ashley got hers. Um, it's about this big, right, from the stage to here. It sits along the sidewalk. The building is brown. The building has had multiple stores in and out, like, every 
other month since I've been here at this location. And it's a chalkboard and it says vape gods with a Z. Vape gods. And my friend goes, vape gods with a Z? Seriously? Gods? They're calling themselves gods of vape? And I thought, first of all, it's a fad, right? Vapes. Secondly, they're calling themselves the gods of vapes. Their advertisement is on a chalkboard. The next misty, rainy day, gods is gone, right? <laughs> like, you're not the god of anything. Like, nothing at all. But you're calling yourself the vape gods. That's what Paul, James is saying to them. Like, you, you guys don't know who you are. Like, seriously, your life is a mist. It's a vapor. It's gone so quickly. Do you not know the only sure thing? Do you not know who you are in light of the cross? Do you not know everything you are is because of him and his will for you? Everything good and sustainable comes from them. Here is a complete, like talking about the vape gods down the street or the church in Jerusalem or even myself. So often we live life with a complete lack of self-awareness, don't we? Like, like we, we, we don't really know who we are and so we think that we're the coolest thing ever or the most sustainable thing ever or that we're young and we'll always be young, right? Let me, let me just, so I, I, I reluctantly have given Kendra a picture. Hold on to the picture, Kendra. Don't show it yet. I've shared this with a few friends to mixed reactions, okay? I became the lead pastor of City Lights Church four years ago, and we took pictures for the website. And just last month, we took pictures again for the website. And um, it was not fun for me to look at the two different pictures. Go ahead and put up the picture there, Kendra. One is this year, which is this side. That's four years ago. I look like I just did four years in the White House. Like, what happened to my skin color? Why is my beard white and spotty? And where did my hair go? Like, I'm going to blame that on Eve's ability to help with lighting and, and the, the rest of the team. I, I'm going to blame that on them. But the truth is, like, that's four years. My life has faded. <laughs> like, man, I was so cool four years ago, right? <laughs> so he goes, like, no, he wasn't cool in that picture either. But that's a good reminder for me to, to be self-aware. Like, I'm getting older. Like, life takes a toll on the body, doesn't it? And... And all my plans, all my desires, and all my hopes. To st- I mean, and four years ago, I fully was expecting to be down like 50 pounds since then. That has not happened at all in four years. How many of you guys have made that resolution in Christmas time? Oh, this summer I'm going to rock the beach. I am going to be the hottest thing on the beach. And instead, you are the biggest thing in the beach chair and have broken that beach chair. I've done it many times. Nothing more embarrassing than getting that cheap $5 beach chair and then snapping the legs off of it. It's sitting in sand. It should sink and absorb the weight. Instead, it bends. I don't understand this. I need titanium beach chairs. Um, Anyway, that's not what I planned on saying this morning. Just being honest with you. James is not calling the, saying these things to belittle them. He's trying to get them to have an honest evaluation of themselves. Like, who are you guys? Come on, seriously. 
Seriously, you try to, you think you got all, you think you're going to make money and be rich and have everything sustained and be able to cast judgment on other people because of your enlightened position. And the truth is you're not enlightened at all. Take a good look at yourself. Who are you? Your life's here and it's gone. They've become proud and judgmental and they've forgotten that they've been given grace and every breath that they breathe is a gift from God. What I want you to understand in this passage is James isn't saying, though, that planning things is the sin. It's the arrogance that's the sin, right? He, he even says that. He says yeah, it's the problem. You, you boast in, in your arrogance. You're walking around puffed up, and it's the arrogance that's the problem. In fact, Proverbs, if you read, do a good study on Proverbs, Proverbs over and over and over again talks about how smart it is to be a wise man and to plan ahead, Right? Because the one who plans ahead reaps a reward. It's the sluggard and the lazy person who's the fool who comes to destruction, right? James is not negating all the passages that talk about being good stewards of what you have. He's not saying that at all. But what he's saying is, where is your hope? What are you standing on? Your ability to perform tasks and do jobs or in God's faithfulness? The grace and the mercy of the Father. Is that what, you were, what you're standing on? That's the question. Here it says, if the Lord wills. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. That is a reference. It's a reminder of the fact that God is creator and sustainer of all things. He is sovereign. It's a reminder. It's not a formula. Let me, let me clarify this i've heard like growing up i went to a a christian school and we had a bible teacher who would take a lot of things as literal formulas right so the passage says don't call any man your father she told us it was wrong to call my dad dad i'm like i don't know what to do for father's day then i can't find a card that fixes this problem happy earthly dad day like i don't don't know what to do like this not james isn't giving you a formula so every time your friend says hey do you want to get coffee you're like well if the lord wills okay now we can get coffee like that's it's not a formula to make your plans a reality okay what it is is a is an awareness of who you are and getting rid of pride right? It's not a formula for something. It's an awareness. Because you can say if the Lord wills every day, and it's just turned into some kind of thing you just say. You're not actually thinking about the sovereignty of the goodness of the Father. Make sense? This is not a formula. It's about knowing that He is King and you are not. So then it ends this chapter here with this seemingly strange transition, Right? It's just, you're talking about boasting and plans, and boasting is evil. And it says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is verse 17. My friend Chris was here this weekend, and, and uh, we are products of that generation. So if I would ask Chris today, what is the best TV show or sitcom of all time? He would have one answer, and that's Seinfeld, Right? Any Seinfeld fans? Just curious. Three of you. The rest of you guys are like, I never really got into Seinfeld. I never really got the comedy. It didn't make sense to me. Sorry, that's just a response I typically heard. Anyway, um, Seinfeld ended strange, didn't it? Who remembers? They go to jail because they commit a crime. And that crime is they're standing there and they watch this overweight man get robbed and somebody takes his car. And they make some jokes about it. 
Kramer's even got the camera out filming this thing. And they begin to walk away. The police officer stops them and arrests them because they failed to fulfill the Good Samaritan law. And they go through the whole show and they end up spending some time in jail and that's how the show ends. My opinion, not the coolest way to end the show, but it's the way they ended the show, right? They ended, they had to go to jail because not of what they did do, but what they didn't do. James is saying a similar thing to us. I've always misread this verse. I've always even quoted it completely wrong. I've always thought it said something like, hey, to know something's a sin and do it anyway, then you're sinning. That's not what it says. It's not the action that you do, James says, is wrong and against God's plan. It's the inaction that you don't do. That's wrong. Does that, that might be too many double negatives there. I don't, I don't. Do you guys follow me here? So, have you, ever, have you ever like been on your way to work and you've seen a situation where you're like, I should stop and do something about that situation, but you're like, I got to go to work, I'll be late, and you continue to drive past that homeless man. Or you don't pray for that sick person because you have plans. Or you know you should call this person because they're going through a tough time, but you know if you call them, you're going to be on the phone with them for at least an hour, and you're like, I just don't have an hour today. Is this, is this just me? I'm just curious. You don't have to raise your hands, but I, I'm, I'm assuming some of you guys have been there in that same place. J- James says, hey, you who think you have everything together, you make all these plans, but then you completely exclude God's plan out of your day. And to know that God has called you to do something in this moment and to not do it, you are sinning in that moment. You are stepping away from the will of God. You are missing the mark. Sin is to miss the mark that God has designed in life. The the mark is life-giving. The mark is everything that's right and good and pure and holy. And in that moment, you have your eyes on your right, and you know God's saying, this is right, and you do this and not this. That in itself is sin. Does it make sense? You're missing the moment. I think of that Seinfeld episode, and everything could have looked different, but if you look through the whole series of Seinfeld, you have four incredibly huge narcissists. That whole show is built on narcissism, right? Self-serving, like, I mean, she's a close talker, I can't date her. She cuts her, they cut their food, their, what is it, Milky Way, or they cut it with a knife. Like, there's all this narcissism of why we don't like the world, and we can't interact with the world. And the truth is, you and I all have those same things. We have our plans. This is, this is what my week looks like. This is what I'm going to do today. This is what Jesse Miller once done. And then somebody's in crisis, and I'm mad that they're in crisis and bothering my day. The Father says, this is why I've given you this day. This is what I've put you here for. This is the plans that I had for you. And are you going to be submitted enough and humble enough to walk in my design for your moment, for this moment? Does that make sense? It's not enough to avoid doing bad things. It's to focus on doing the good thing, the right thing. I want to encourage you that the next time you're in a situation, don't be too busy to stop. Talk to that coworker. Call that family member. Reach out to that homeless man. I mean, I can tell you, I, I, 
I'm a king at making excuses to not talk to the homeless person asking for money, right? We've all got this excuse. My wife has taught me and is still teaching me to do the opposite. She did it the other day. Just bought this guy pizza. Took, stopped and said, what do you need? And he was like, I don't, I'm not that much. She's like, no, what do you need? I'll go, we'll go in and we'll get it. She goes in and orders pizza. To me, it's too much of a hassle. I could be, I could be reading a book right now, right? Like that's, that's me building my world. But my wife has taught me to get out of my world and see their world. That's, I mean, I'm a pastor and I get in my world, right? I'm saying this so that you, you know that we are on the same struggle. We cannot be so self-righteous and so, so spiritually enlightened that we can't look in us and say, God, where have I not made you the Lord of my life? Where are you not seated on the throne? James chapter 1 started off by reminding us, don't be hearers of the word, but also be doers, Right? Don't just be a hearer and not a doer. And here again in this passage, James is reminding those who are walking in pride, hey, you've heard the words, but your actions or your inactions don't speak that you understand them. You've heard that Jesus is God and that he has forgiven you and that you walk in grace, but your actions portray a different mindset. James is once again reminding them what the Father is trying to call them to. The Father is looking at them and says, you're still prideful, guys. You're still walking in what you want. Where is your humility? When will you allow me to be Lord? Something, sometimes when things aren't going the way I planned, I, would, I have often encouraged myself by saying, hey, I'm still pretty young. God can do anything He wants. That's encouragement whenever things aren't going my way, Right? Like, you know, this is not my plan, but I'm still pretty young. God can do whatever he wants. But then in other moments, when everything's going my way, when all the plans Jesse Miller has made are working out, I have to remind myself I'm still pretty young. God can do whatever he wants. In those moments, it terrifies me. How many guys are like, I have a good life. I'm happy, right? And then you think the Lord can do whatever he wants. Not that God's trying to wreck your life, but if you're seeking first the kingdom, everything that you call normal right now, he can say, yeah, I'm going to change that. Like when I was a youth pastor in Gettysburg area, like this is all I wanted. And God's like, no, you're going to plant a church in Scranton. I don't want to do that, right? And like now I'm so thrilled. No matter where you're standing in life, remind yourself, hey, God can still do whatever he wants. He still is asking, hey, will you trust me enough to let me do everything I want? Are, are you in this with me? Are you on your own journey? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to plan out, hey, I'm going to go to this city and make this kind of money, and I'm going to build this house, and I'm going to get this car, and I'm going to have this family, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this thing because, you know, God loves me, and so I do all these things, right? Or do you just simply say, God loves me, so he's going to lead me, and I'm going to listen to what he's saying today? In each case, I have to remember that I can trust God. That He's God and I'm not. Either day, every day, when I'm, when, I'm feeling, when I'm feeling confident and proud of my accomplishments, I have to remind myself that He's God and I'm not. When I'm feeling defeated and discouraged and abandoned and alone, I have to remind myself that He's God and I'm not. In both of those situations. Some of you guys might be hearing this and you're like, man, this is like intense. And so what do I do? How do I walk through? How do I get rid of this, this, 
pride? How do I walk in humility? I want to go to, if you would, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If you were at our men's breakfast yesterday, you got a sneak peek of this. But this is such an awesome passage to help us understand James a little bit more. Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church there, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. I'm going to pause there for a second. He doesn't say all your plans are garbage, does he? But it's humble plans, looking at others around you. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeliness of men, the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul reminds the church, hey church, you want unity? You want peace? This is my desire as well. Complete my joy by having unity. How do we do that? By having the same mind in ourselves that was in Christ when he took off his godliness, all the fact that he was God in the flesh, and he walked in our place, and he humbled himself. And he didn't just humble himself, but he humbled himself to the point of dying for us. And not just any death, but death on a cross. He says, church, have the same perspective. But you know what I love about this? He doesn't just say, hey, have the same perspective as Jesus because Jesus is really awesome. What he says is, have the same mind in you. Have this mind in you. This is verse 5. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. He tells you to have something that's already yours because of the work of the cross. Because of what the cross and his resurrection has accomplished for me, I get to receive my identity as his son, his daughter, and not live for myself but to live for others. It's not a me trying to fight the flesh thing. It's a me submitting to what I have in Christ. To walking by the Spirit, not by the flesh anymore. It's already yours. You want a humble life? It's yours in Christ. You want to be sacrificial and selfless? It's yours in Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. Am I making sense to somebody? Some of you guys are scratching your head. Other users are bored. Some of you guys are excited right now. I can see the excitement. This... Humility, the same humility that Christ had on the cross, He has given you through His blood. In your salvation, in you receiving of grace, He has given you His mindset. Have the same mind 
which is yours in Christ. Have the same mind that Christ had, it's already yours. Paul is not telling the church to do something they cannot do. He's telling them to understand what they can do in Christ. James is saying the same thing to you and I. It's like, make your plans. Go ahead and make your plans. But when you do, make sure it's humble plans. Make sure you're serving others. Make sure that when the homeless person in front of you needs a sandwich, when that drug addict needs encouragement and you to take them to rehab, when that family member's walking through the worst possible divorce you can imagine, sit with them, pray with them, counsel them, encourage them, and don't worry about Netflix. Don't worry about being late and not getting the exercise that you planned on going to the gym. Don't worry about your plans. You can do that not by fixing yourself, but by submitting to who you are in Christ. This goes back to identity. Everything goes back to our identity in Him. The gospel is good news to those who have received Him. And if we've received Him, we now get to carry out and live out the same mind that's in Christ. James is not talking about weird mantras if the Lord wills. He's telling you about submission and humility. Would you stand with me this morning? This is James in this passage saying to you if you have received the freedom of life in Christ, you have received His gift of grace. If you know you needed a Savior, then why do you act like you are the God of your own universe? This is a call to awakening who we are in Christ. Why do you think that you're the sure thing when God says I'm the only sure thing? Why do you think that you are the author and sustainer of your world when he says I'm the author and sustainer of your world? Plan. Plan, plan things out. I'm not telling you to get rid of your calendars and your journals and your planners. I'm not telling you that. Save up for retirement. Do it. That's awesome. Get a will. Buy a funeral plot. Build your house. Buy a car that will run for a while. Save up for your kids' college funds. Those things are fine, right? But as Martin was talking about it earlier, perspective. When we give an offering, it's about hum- humility. It's not my plans, but your plans. It's not my money, but your money. The same thing can true, be true of my next week. Whatever I plan for this next week, it's, it's God, it's your week. It's not my week, it's your week. It's not my Wednesday afternoon, it's your Wednesday afternoon. It's not my Monday morning workout routine, it's your Monday morning workout routine. Does that make sense? How, how are you going to think through these things? Remember, all these things are gifts if we steward them the way he has designed them to be used. We are not to be ignorant, we're not to be lazy, and we're not to be anxious. We're called to be humble and confident that we are his children. I get to have plans in the confidence knowing that he's good to me, and if he messes up my plans, it's good. If he lets me keep my plans, it's good. And it makes me feel better. (laughs) I love how he works. He's good. He's a good father. This morning as we worship, just for a few more minutes, I want to I ask you, I want to pray over you before we worship. Let me do that. I want to pray over you, a blessing over you. I want to pray and encouraging over you. And then we're going to worship together just for a moment. If you're walking in this place right now where you can't even figure out this week, your plans are all messed up because you don't feel like you have any wisdom. Like you're waiting for the Lord to reveal something to you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that 
you feel confident in his goodness and that he reveals to you what to do in the morning, tonight, this afternoon. Does that make sense? And I also want to pray for some of you guys who are walking in real pride for a spirit of humility to increase the same mind that's yours in Christ would develop and be manifest in you, that you would walk out in your true identity. This morning as we sing, I'm going to pray that we fix our eyes on his kingdom, on his beauty, on what he is doing, what, how he is moving this morning. Let me pray. If you want prayer for any of those specific things, go ahead and put your hands out as a sign of receiving what the Lord's doing, what he's given Father, I pray for us this morning that you would let us be a people who walk in humility and not self-righteousness, self-centeredness, or arrogance. God, let us be a people who walks out in grace and listening to your spirit. Father, I pray for those who are lacking wisdom. I love that in the same book, James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask from God who gives it freely. So, Father, we ask for wisdom right now and discernment of plans and, and the, the actions that we are supposed to carry out, how to steward what you've given us well. But we don't put our trust in our ability to steward. We put our trust in you as God, as sovereign, as good, as sustainer. Father, I pray that you, through the Holy Spirit you would stir up a confidence as sons and daughters that we would have the same mindset that was in Christ when he emptied himself out, that we would learn to plan not just for ourselves but for others, that we would be obedient at every moment. Father, we give you praise this morning. Father, be glorified in our worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship for a few more moments together.